You know, what we have to keep in mind is every number that we look at as we get farther and farther away from 2020 is 100% colored by the sea change that was the pandemic. Not because we suddenly had a different feeling about muffins and donuts in this case, but because the COVID-19 pandemic drove everything to be different about the way we lived our lives and certainly how we ate. Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, editor of Baking and Snack. This season, we're partnering with research firm IRI to bring you a state of the industry report on how 2020 impacted baking and snack sales. We'll break down the data with three IRI analysts and hear from bakers who experienced those numbers in real time. We'll even touch on how the industry can hold on to the sales growth from 2020 and build off that momentum. This episode of Sense Slice Bread is brought to you by Lasoff. You may know Lasoff for its world-class baking yeast, but did you know that it has doubled the lifespan of donuts from 18 to 36 hours with its anti-staling ingredients? Or that it has added excellent levels of calcium to muffins with its fortification capabilities? Visit LasoffYeast.com to learn more about the company's portfolio of innovative solutions. In this episode of Since Sliced Bread, we're talking to Jonna Parker, team lead for Fresh Foods at IRI, about morning bakery, donuts, danish, pastries, muffins, coffee cake, and more. We dive into how these products performed both in the center store aisles, but also the in-store bakery. You'll also hear from Luke Monjo, president of Weston Foods, about how the pandemic impacted the company's donut sales. But first, let's dive into the data with Jana. Welcome back to Scent Slice Bread, Jana. Thanks so much for having me again, Charlotte. I'm excited to talk about the world post-pandemic or during pandemic, I guess. Yeah, we're still kind of in it, aren't we? Going to be for a while. Yep. So what is the data telling us about how morning baked goods are doing right now? Yeah, you know, it's a very, very interesting year in baked goods overall. And morning is probably one of the easiest ones to talk about because it is a tale of two cities. So for the 52 weeks ending, you know, year end really, or January, all of baked goods did show growth. I want to emphasize that at the top of this, because after when we start diving into specific categories, you're going to see some up and down. But total, you know, perimeter merchandise as well as center store, we're at not 7% more dollars. Um, and actually, we've grown 11% in baked goods dollar sales since three years ago. But what's interesting, you know, really when you benchmark that is before mm-hmm. la- 2020, when we look at 2019, baked goods were routinely growing around 1% to 2%, you know, like the rest of the store. So our big 7% growth seems huge. And I'm sure if you're just looking at the world of baked goods, you're patting yourself on the back saying the pandemic was a boost. But I think what's really kind of concerning to me is that baked goods 7% growth actually is one of the lowest categories in the store. Places like the frozen department and meat and, you know, even produce grew at plus 10%. So why that is, is really illustrated by morning baked goods. You know, why did we have the second lowest growth of any department? And morning goods really shows it. If we were just going to talk about 
the baked goods that are packaged and sold in the aisle. When you look at center store morning baked goods, there was a growth rate of about 8% in 2020. That's a category that had been flat. And all of a sudden, we added almost $200 million more in center store donuts, pastries, muffins. And I say center store, and I mean the items that you know we know that are merchandised adjacent to, let's say, the commercial bread. Now, on the flip side, the morning baked goods that are merchandised in the perimeter, both the you know random weight bulk items as well as the packaged items, were down 7%. And while center store, as I mentioned, added almost 200 million, perimeter morning goods lost 200 million since 2019. So it literally was a tale of two cities. Even though both products, if you were to take them out of the store and let's say serve them or have them in your pantry, they're still muffins and donuts and coffee cakes. So it definitely was, you know, adjacency and placement had a lot to do with your success rate in 2020. I'm also curious if that has to do with the packaging um, and just how the in-store bakery did during the pandemic anyway. Yeah. You know, what we have to keep in mind is every number that we look at as we get farther and farther away from 2020 is 100% colored by the sea change that was the pandemic. Not because we suddenly had a different feeling about muffins and donuts in this case, but because the COVID-19 pandemic drove everything to be different about the way we lived our lives and certainly how we ate. So for example, as we get farther away from 2020, we have to always remember that after March, all the way through the rest of 2020, so for nine months of the year, the average number of meals that a consumer was making and eating at home was 83%. So 83%, eight out of 10 meals that you had in a week were 100% originated at home. Now, why that might, now you might think about your own life and think, oh yeah, okay, yeah, but that might've been before. Mm, No, before about 50-50 was our food spend dollar. So we went literally almost overnight and then throughout the year to being extremely home-based eaters. And that had a huge, huge impact on what we needed in the home. Um, so, you know, it certainly helped some categories, like for example, more meal focused departments like meat had tremendous, you know, growth because we were making so many meals at home. But when we were going to the store, we were thinking about meals and not always about the next morning's breakfast. And so I think that was a big part, right? How many meals we were making in the home had a lot to do with our consumption changes. But the other really important factor that I want to make sure you know, our retail and manufacturing community keep in mind is how our behavior in the store changed. So it's, of course, top line knowledge that trip frequency, i.e. the number of times you went to a store and the number of different stores you went to to solve your groceries was down and the amount you spent per trip was up. So yes, shoppers were consolidating trips, but that really turned into less browsing time And it also, whether you were in the store, you were thinking about what's on your list. And if you think about it, that really did hurt the perimeter in a lot of ways, right? Because you weren't browsing. A lot of times, if you weren't thinking about needing something from the in-store bakery or the perimeter bakery, you probably weren't even going there. But you likely were thinking about what can I have on shelf in my pantry that might last me a week or two weeks, right? Because that was the average amount of trip frequency we were seeing is 
between two weeks between trips. So you were thinking about what's on your list and morning bakery can be part of that list, right? But you were thinking about the other things that you needed. And again, really focused in going to the aisles that had what you needed to get in and out of the store as fast as possible. I think that really hurt the impulsivity of the perimeter. That idea where you're like, mm, what am I going to have for breakfast tomorrow? Well, that donut looks really good. I guess I'll pick up donuts. We weren't doing that as much. And the last piece, of course, that hurt the perimeter, which is a huge elephant in the room that we have to talk about, is bulk. It was a sizable portion of the, buff, the donuts category and especially muffins and pastries and many retailers. And it evaporated. Yes, many retailers pivoted by, let's say, middle of the year or even May or, or April and started to individually wrap bulk, you know, donuts or muffins, but people weren't there. And honestly, we didn't really need one or two at a time, or I need to eat it on the go while I'm rushing somewhere. And that really hurt the perimeter. Right. Or we're not going to pick up a treat because there's no like treat outing anymore. That kind of evaporated. It did. It did. And that makes me sad because it didn't totally evaporate. I, you know, have many stories when we talk about celebrations and, and special treats. I think people absolutely wanted escapes and they wanted, you know, excitement. I mean, ice cream novelties did phenomenal during this period. And I would say that the growth that we saw in Center Store was was probably due to people thinking about, I do want to have, you know, mini muffin packs on hand. Um, for that special time to make my Netflix and chill night just a little bit more special because I can't go out. But the perimeter, and this is a theme that I really want to emphasize, the perimeter baked goods were thought of as what I used to go to. And I only go on celebrations or for special occasions. And we really have to change that mindset. Luke Mangeau of Weston Foods saw this dynamic play out for the company's donut business, which serves both in-store bakery and quick service restaurants. Here's what he had to say. So tell me about how, how Weston Foods donut business fared in 2020. Yeah, 2020 was a challenging year. You know, as the leader uh, in, uh, in donuts, we entered 2020 very confident. The donut market has been growing really well in uh, in recent year, both in food service and in retail. And, and 2020 was a, a tale of two stories. Uh, in the food service side of things, after a bit of a slowdown on the onset, after the onset of the pandemic, when we saw many restaurants either temporarily close or or or, or, or operate at, at limited capacity, we saw a really nice rebound on the QSR uh, business, especially the facilities that have drive-throughs. And, and, and by year-end, that business uh, for us had grown significantly. When it comes to retail side of things, there's two realities there. Uh, the in-aisle package donuts, so center of the store donuts, perform relatively well. Western Foods specialize in the fresh donuts that you buy in the perimeter of the store through the, the donut showcases. And we all know that donut showcases have been hit really hard uh, in 2020. Huh? Most of them were, were closed for a very long period of time. And when they weren't closed, consumers were, 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 were going to a, a, a grocery store, a mass merchandise store with, with a real sense of purpose and were not 
um, circulating through the store looking for, for fresh impression or, or for impulse sales. And we all know that fresh donuts is, is an 81% of the case in impulse sales. So, so our retail business was greatly negatively impacted. What's promising those that we're seeing, you know, as, as rest- restriction are eased in some areas, we're seeing a healthy return to the donut showcases. And, and we're working very closely with, with retailers to make sure that we provide retail, uh, consumers a, a safe and, and as importantly, extremely enjoyable uh, experience. So we're looking uh, forward to a gradual bounce back of donut showcases in 2021. Western Foods doesn't have um, center store donut sales, do you, donut products, do you? No, we don't. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we saw in the data that IRI shared that the center store saw a lot of growth while the in-store bakery saw declines. And I'm was just wondering if you had anything to add to that. Was that reflective in your experience? It sounds like it was. Yeah, we definitely we definitely saw that. You know, the, the, with the pandemic, we saw consumers really turn to the center of the stores, go with packaged um, products, and and the traffic in the fresh bakery was uh, was significantly less than than pre COVID, and therefore uh, fresh donut sales were negatively impacted. So, was there any products for Western Foods that was seeing growth in the donut category? The uh, for us, uh, we grew our QSR uh, fresh donuts business significantly in 2020. Do you have any idea why that was able to find some growth despite the pandemic? Well, it's because we make some really good donuts. Sure, we were. <laughs> no, no, but the consumers, consumers, consumers love donuts, and donuts is an amazing. Um, on-the-go snack, easily portionable, and and people did not feel comfortable going uh, into their their grocery store and and going to the donut showcases. So the drive-through facilities of QSR restaurants provided consumers with a a perceived uh, safer uh, alternatives to going to the retail to the uh, a retail grocer. So how did these changes kind of impact product development or even operations? Did you guys pivot to a more packaged product to kind of accommodate these changes? Well, for us, we we strongly believe in the future of donuts and where we're seeing donut showcases reopening, we're seeing a very strong performance. So for us, more than ever, we continue to invest in capacity, in new capabilities, in new innovation. During 2020, we worked very closely with our retail partners to make sure that we could provide a packaging solution, sustainable packaging solution that could allow our retailers to provide, still provide that fresh aspect of the donut showcase, but in a way that consumers felt more comfortable um, dealing dealing with. But we, our consumer uh, research shows us that the consumers uh, really love the donut showcases. They're confident that the donut show, showcases will be a healthy way to purchase donuts once we're on the other side of uh, COVID. So we continue to invest and innovate uh, in this area very heavily. 
Yeah, I was definitely anticipating um, just from what I've heard in my own personal life that like meal preparation fatigue, especially around breakfast, would help morning bakery. And it sounds like it did in the center of the store, but not on the perimeter. Yeah. I mean, honestly, breakfast was a juggernaut story of 2020. You know, if you think about it, we were not commuting to offices or going to um, schools as often. Like, I just want to make sure your listeners have those stats because a lot of people are like everyone or no one. But really what we saw by the fall, by Q4 of 2020 among our shopper survey was that even in December, more than half of Americans, roughly 53%, were working from home and a similar rate of school children. And that rise to even about two-thirds or 60% of teens or young adults who should have been in college or should have been in high school or junior high were at home. And I know as a single working mom whose children here in Arizona were home, having something in the pantry became almost as important as taste. And so that center store option for breakfast was a great one because the shelf life was a little bit longer. I could buy five packs in a box and the kids could open it up and get it themselves when they were rushing to get to online classes. I wouldn't have probably bought that product previously because they would have been having breakfast on the go or they would have been having breakfast or a morning snack at school. And so all of a sudden that center store morning good also became an after school snack that I needed to make sure was in the pantry. And I think when you think about the items that did really, really well in center store morning baked goods like mini muffins and um, some of the pre-packed donuts, it was because you could have them sit there easily for your afternoon or morning snack as well as your morning good. And I think that's really what favored center store. How did you see kind of the lack of the commute and office work impact these categories? Because I know that these categories often, especially on the fresh side, relied heavily on that. I mean, we talked about it all the time pre-pandemic that everyone's on the go. Everyone's just looking for something to grab out of the convenience store, out of Starbucks, whatever, um, bakery cafes. How did that lack of the commute kind of impact these categories? couple ways. Uh, and I think what was really telling was to watch what we call the periods of the pandemic. So there's the late March to kind of first of June period when, especially in the northern part of the country, people were literally locked down. I mean, there wasn't really food service. People were not going out as much. And there was a lot of um, you know, pandemic fear truly disrupting what we did. And during that first period, a lot of breakfast categories did extremely well. Um, coffee, <laughs> you know, coffee and creamers did fantastic during the pandemic. And again, I think that longer shelf life um, piece was really key for those center store. And what hurt the perimeter, honestly, and I hear this both from bakery um, managers as well as deli managers, is actually a lot of those bulk bins in either space, or let's say the heat and eat entrees and the grab and go, you know, sandwiches. We're a big business around lunchtime because what would happen is office workers or those running around for their jobs would stop in, grab the groceries they needed for dinner that night. And while they're there, the impulsivity or the immediate consumption of, let's say, a really beautiful donut in the donut case would be an immediate need. And so when we didn't see that foot traffic, 
and then of course the uh, the donut bins were closed i definitely think that that had a huge factor on those sales um but what happened during the summer was a little bit of a um an interesting piece because we did start to be um a little bit more open people started to move around more they started working from remote locations and i think a lot of our behavior and our mobility shifted but when it came to the at-home morning routine, if baked goods kind of fared, um, it was thought of as the center store. Now, what I think a lot of people, and I know even myself, when I pulled the center store versus um, perimeter morning goods and the fact that the dollars lost were almost equal, you could think of this, you know, and then you'd instantly think, well, that was a donut for donut trade out, right? People who previously would have been buying donuts in the perimeter then went to center store, muffins, vice versa, because they wanted the shelf, you know, the the shelf stability of it, and they weren't on the go. But as you looked at the week by week, period by period trends of, let's say, donuts and muffins in the center of store, it wasn't a full, you know, donuts did really well earlier in the lockdown and not so well in the back quarter of the year. Muffins hit an opposite. Muffins actually got slightly better in center store. And I think what ended up happening again, gets back to satisfying multiple things. You mentioned coffee shops, for example. At coffee shops and local bakeries, things change throughout the year. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts are synonymous now with bringing out flavors that get people to be back and excited into those stores at different seasons. Center Store Bakery has some seasonality to it, but again, it wasn't leading with that inspiration. And the Perimeter Bakery also does a little bit of it, but not every retailer really emphasizes or markets even outside the store, hey, I've got pumpkin spice everything now, the way that people got used to. So I definitely think that there wasn't enough to fill in that experience of the coffee shop and people became stale, right? A lot of retailers didn't allow new items or items changed out. They were just trying to stock the shelf. And I think that lack of innovation hurt us. Um, things stayed the same too much. And so I think people stopped thinking of the grocery store as a place to get that morning meal and that morning baked good. And that is a huge opportunity for the future. I mean, everything you're saying is just so reflective of my own life and experience with the pandemic because like front of the pandemic, I was taking my four-year-old to the donut shop every single Saturday, masking up, like, let's just, just for something to do. And then bringing it home and eating it. And then like, as it's gone on, we just haven't done that as much anymore because of that, you know, things it's like Groundhog's Day right now. Like everything's the same and just, yeah. One last point on that. And this is something that I was going to cover later, but it makes so much sense to talk about here. The other big piece of why with the softness in the back quarter is we were really indulgent folks when we thought the pandemic was only <laughs> going to be a few months or a few weeks. Yes. Yes. That's all, you know, and so lots of indulgent items that were, you know, I don't care if it has, you know, fat and calories up the wazoo. And the gym's closed anyway. And right, as you right. got <laughs> as you got more throughout the year, you know, the COVID-15 is real <laughs> that people mm -hmm. have had from a pounds and a healthfulness. And I definitely think as we think forward for 2021, we're morning bakery. And this is such a rich piece of conversation, so I want to enter this here because I know we'll probably want to chat deeper on it. Morning Bakery has long been synonymous with foods that aren't necessarily healthy in either space and also very synonymous with flavors and tastes. From a grocery standpoint, synonymous with flavors and tastes that are maybe more for an older generation 
And I say this being on just the cusp of the Gen X, (laughs) the bottom end of the Gen X. I mean, but technically, you know, morning baked goods, especially in perimeter, have often skewed toward baby boomers and older. And as I looked at the data, you know, I started to think about how that was a group who was especially baby boomers and seniors were incredibly affected by the pandemic. So for categories that are heavily reliant, upwards of 60 to 70% of their buyers come from older Gen X and above, all of a sudden when those folks aren't shopping or going anywhere, that's going to have a direct effect. On the flip side, Center Store has always been big with school-aged children, but all of a sudden they were disrupted. So I think we hadn't, we don't often talk during the pandemic about how to shift and change your target market, but I definitely think there's something to that when it comes to Morning Bakery. That it's an opportunity to grab on to different um, demographics? Yeah. Uh, You know, I think that the health piece is very important. Both health and transparency are incredibly important um, for Gen X and below, especially millennial. And I do think as you think about baked goods that a consumer might engage with at a coffee shop or a bakery or a chain coffee shop, baked goods and indulgences are there but they're typically in portion control. They might be heated. They might have different and exciting flavors. And we're not always seeing that in baked goods um, that make grocery stores. It's almost like they target different markets. And I always have talked about, you know, capturing the millennial and morning baked goods could be an extremely exciting piece, but you have to recognize the millennial, especially the health-minded millennial after being in lockdown, doesn't always eat the same thing a boomer eats for breakfast. This episode of Scent Sliced Bread is brought to you by LaSoff. LaSoff's line of Saf Pro Starzyme ingredients is a clean label solution for improving and maintaining the freshness of muffins, donuts, danish, and more. There are Starzyme ingredients for extending softness and freshness, creating a more tender mouthfeel, improving dough strength, and enhancing volume. Visit LaSoffYeast.com to learn more about the Starzyme portfolio and to request a sample. When you look at the data and its breakdown, what are you seeing that was doing really well as the pandemic kind of progressed? I am curious, like, did products that were more health-minded pick up while the indulgent stuff fell off or am I No, totally I, you know, the, the reality of health in Morning Bakery is these categories are not top of mind health for consumers. Muffins is probably the closest you might get. And when I started to pull away the back at the the curtain of muffins, um, you know, super fruits like blue, you know, the fruit and the, um, you know, fiber forward had a bit more um, sales oomph, you might say. But for the most part, it's such a small, small part of the sales that it's hard to almost rely on that. And for years, I've advocated Honestly, Perimeter Bakery would be an excellent place to think about bringing in some of the fantastic snack and on-the-go and very fiber and functional food forward that you see, let's say, in the bars aisle over like the the granola aisle and a lot of what's proliferating in kind of that um, to-go area over by the cereal bars part of the store. But what ends up happening is because a consumer doesn't think they're going to find those healthier functional 
foods in either the perimeter bakery or the center store baked goods aisle, they're not going there. So what I've seen happen pre-pandemic was people would release some really fantastic items and retailers have who have emphasized that those items are now available and where to find them in the store have done a really, really nice job with those. The problem is, is you have to add that extra marketing push even outside your store to remind people that those functional, fresh um, baked goods, because remember, even center store bakery is inherently more perishable and more fresh perception than, let's say, the cereal aisle, <laughs> right? I mean, it's very, very much considered a perishable department by a consumer, even though we don't think of it as such. So bringing products that have those functional attributes, those flavors, those good-for-you feelings could be an excellent product. But I think so many that have tried to have, have not done well because we haven't taught the consumer to look for them there. So that's an important post-pandemic learning. We know we need to change up what we're offering, but how do I get someone who wasn't used to going to my aisle into my aisle? A little bit of marketing can go a long way, especially in the digital world. So I think there's so much opportunity with that. Um, and it would be having a health mindset. Or frankly, on the flip side, you talked about what works. We saw lots of indulgences going on, um, especially in center store, full-size donuts, right? So donuts that were sold in packages but were pre-packed did really, really well or, you know, throughout the pandemic. Mini muffins. I always love mini muffins. And um, because again, it's like, sure, I'm eating five of them, but hey, I didn't eat a whole muffin. And, you know, I don't think we have to go back to the marketing of last decade of, you know, 100 calorie. It's got to be about the taste and the function. And things like mini muffins and mini or donuts give you that extra health permission, but it's still an indulgence. So that's an area that I think continues to be a really fertile ground. But, you know, the other really interesting thing is I'm thinking about what worked in a place where, frankly, not a lot did, <laughs> um, was really actually in the perimeter bakery, places where we did things that were special and unique. One of the things I bring up is in a donut category that overall lost 50% of sales, driven almost entirely by assorted and bulk donuts, meaning make your own dozen, make your own half dozen, pick your own. I mean, that was down almost $250 million year over year. But on the flip side, something we call specialty donuts, things like punchkis and really high-end, very you know, special donuts that might only be regional or unique to your store that you could really market kind of on a high-foot traffic area. Really small base, but frankly, did extremely well because, again, it was that surprise and delight. The, I'm not going to the coffee shop or the local donut shop. How can I find something that is really going to be great? And I think that was a really interesting piece. And I will say, Danishes and sweet rolls. Sweet rolls especially did pretty well in Perimeter Bakery. Um, and that gets back to this idea of um, we are at home more, but the whole family was home. So, you know, why not have, you know, six cinnamon rolls fresh from the Perimeter Bakery um, while you were picking up your weekly groceries, bringing home that piece of cinnamon roll? And um, I know also in other parts of the store, Bake Off Cinnamon Rolls and Frozen did really well. Again, they're a family, you know, treat um, and you could all share. And then also, um, you know, refrigerated doughs, cinnamon rolls and other sweet doughs in refrigerated doughs did really well also. Yeah, it's that thing of like, even though we're not getting together in large groups to celebrate things, you're still stuck at home with your family. 
and the specialness of the perimeter version of that, you know, and, and also I think why refrigerated doughs did so well during the pandemic is yes, it is true. There was a romance with baking at home during the pandemic, but let's face it, we all didn't turn into, um, you know, Duff (laughs) or the cake boss. (laughs) And so some of us who do love a good fresh baked item having, you know, I know a local bakery by me, who's actually a regional grocer, they were selling their cinnamon rolls in the bakery and putting the little frosting that they would have put on top of the sweet rolls in with it too. And they had instructions to bake them a bit more at home. So they'd be hot and ready at home, still a fresh bakery item. And then to do the frosting yourself to give you that extra layer of I made it myself. And I just think that's genius. That's so resonated with a population who had more time and were much more interested in then cooking because they had more time, but didn't quite know how to go back to raw dough always. Or maybe they had dabbled with that with a TikTok trend in the beginning of the pandemic, but then realized, oh gosh, it's so much easier to buy, you know, partially finished and make it my own. Right. When it comes to developing new donuts, Luke said Weston Foods will be focused on elevating the donut experience and bringing consumers the freshest donuts possible, really leaning into taste, as Jonna said. Here's what he had to say about the future of the category. What can you share at all? What's kind of driving Weston Foods innovation in donuts? Is it specialty donuts, fun flavors? What's kind of the... Yes, for us, it's the uh, the ability to uh, we're we're innovating on multiple platforms. We're innovating on taste, and we know that people really like uh, variety. So, really, always being attuned to to the greatest flavors and and latest flavors. We're we're investing in texture. We re- recently launched a lineup of dual fill uh, donut that has two different flavor, two different flavor filling in the uh, donut, and it's extremely delicious. We're uh, investing as well as always elevating the enjoyment of our base uh, dough, always to make sure that consumers can 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 every single day can enjoy a, a better and better donuts. I don't know about you, Charlotte, but for me, when I bite into a donut, I, I, I'm expecting to a, a really a, a, a real enjoyment. And, and I know if I bite into something that doesn't provide me uh, uh, this either kick of flavor or that sugar rush or that that comfort feeling, I'm left uh, disappointed. So it's our responsibility to always elevate the experience. We're uh, innovating as well on technology, combination of technologies and recipes that allow to deliver the freshest donuts uh, for uh, for consumers, for customers uh, at any time of the uh, of the day. And again, it's to elevate experience and we innovate as well on uh, sizes so people can do a bit of portion control or um, or eat more smaller one or whatever they see uh, they see fit. So what does the future of the donut category look like? What do you think will be key to rebuilding that perimeter donut showcase experience? Yeah, for us, you know, the the future of donuts is extremely uh, promising. From a food service standpoint, uh, as restaurants continue to to reopen, the QSR business is coming back extremely strong. At retail, with the reopening of showcase, um, 
showcase uh, displays reopening and the loosening of uh, restriction. We're going to see more social gathering, and we know that donuts do extremely well in this context. So we see them, we see donuts doing very well uh, in the future. For us as a leader in donuts, we continue to invest and, and truly understanding the market so we can provide consumers with the most innovative solutions to meet their changing and ever evolving a need, whether it's it's merchandising, it's packaging, or it's it's products, and in the end, consumers love donuts. They they love the variety, they love uh, the choice, they love the visual uh, appeal, and there's nothing more uh, exciting in an in-store bakery than to look at a beautiful donut showcase filled with all these different varieties, colors, and and flavors. So, so you know, we're going to continue to uh, to invest in making in freshness, and visual appeal, and and craveability uh, to make sure that consumers uh, can be delighted with uh, with amazing tasting donuts. We're talking about the entirety of 2020. You finally have all that sales data um, done and in. Um, but now we're in 2021. We're looking to the future. The pandemic's still here, but as you talked about, it evolved over 2020. What do you think the future looks like for Morning Bakery? I think two things are really important, and we hit on one of them, so I'll try to reemphasize it here. In the post, this was a category that we were already starting to lose our way with consumer needs, and now consumer needs have shifted and are different. So as you had said, I think the category had done a really nice job. Marketing is on the go. Um, Marketing with some value, but also some premiumization. Let's face it. 2021 in this entire decade is going to be about portions as well as functional health. So by portions, I mean... We have to recognize that the overwhelming majority of Americans live in one or two person households, (laughs) and yet the majority of morning baked goods, especially in the perimeter, let alone in center store, are designed for a multi-eater family before they go bad. I think portion, meaning the number of mouths and sittings, could really revolutionize this category, and you don't even need to make it an on-the-go function. Um, I think throughout baked bakery, thinking about the fact that the majority of us were in lockdown with only one or two people, or we were in lockdown with our family, not 10 people, um, I think is really important. Portioning by the number of people who can eat it before it goes bad needs to be something we address in bakery in 2020 and beyond the 2020 decade. And we can't just rely on the bulk bins. The bulk bins, great if you brought them back. Everything we're seeing is consumers are less afraid, but the concept of the virus is going to be with us even after vaccination and we start to go back to, quote, normal. So the idea of other people touching your food is going to live with us for a while. And I think the bulk bin heyday and also really having to have people behind the counter then to do service of those, we got to get back to packaging and good multiple portion. We can't just rely on the lower household sizes to just go to the bulk bin. We've got to have multi-serving sizes in all of our categories, especially morning. And then I'd say the other part of what consumers need is, again, that feel-good health. They don't want poor taste. You know, I think there's been so much revolution in, let's say, the breads category with really functional ingredients, but in a really tasteful product, and then being able to command a premium and expanding a far 
more wide reaching audience with that. And I think there's a great opportunity for that. Um, whether it's flavors, whether it's theming, whether it's again, experience escape or health, what is, why would someone shop at you? What makes you different? I think that's key. I mean, the other big trend we haven't talked about yet that I want to make sure we emphasize in our closing minutes, e-commerce. I know most of you are sitting there going, I work in baked goods. I shouldn't worry about e-commerce. 2020 changed all of that. And I would argue, especially in morning baked goods, because an audience that we never thought would embrace online grocery shopping had to, and that is the older population, as well as the population with children in the home. Both ends of that spectrum made up a big part of who suddenly came into online grocery shopping, as well as the tech forward millennials, singles and couples that we knew would be there anyway. But currently today, our latest survey showed that 17% of Americans primarily grocery shop via e-commerce. And by the way, their primary place to grocery shop, because I often say e-commerce and people immediately think of Amazon or they immediately think of a delivery company. Their primary place to order groceries that are fresh, like baked goods, is with their local grocer via click and collect. So if you're not thinking about how your morning baked goods show up on your partner, your customer's page, or your own page if you're a retailer, that is a paramount need to do in 2021. Because morning baked goods are often on the list. But what we've found in our research at IRI is that even if logically, a search term like donut would pull up what you think is a donut because of the way search terms are maximized on retailers' websites, you can end up with a whole wide variety of things. So what if someone says breakfast? Do your baked goods even come up when they type in breakfast? Or is it literally everything that is breakfast on the package title, which wouldn't be your baked goods? So that's really, I think, ultimately, we can't just rely on foot traffic in the future. We have to think about how people are shopping this decade, and e-commerce is a big part of that. Well, Jenna, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface, but we're out of time. Thank you so much for providing us these insights to this um, very critical category to our industry. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Scent Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at sosland.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and drop us a review. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this episode, LaSoff. LaSoff offers a full portfolio of dough conditioners to facilitate efficient production and improve the quality and shelf life of Danish, donuts, muffins, and more. LaSoff offers solutions for every stage of the baking process, from reducing mixing time to increasing volume or softness to extending the shelf life of finished products. Learn more about LaSoffYeast.com. Since Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Anna Weiber and Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Ashley.